Page Turner. We are on episode number 36. Can you believe it? No, crazy. It's um, Wednesday, February 10th. And have you guys um, gotten your Valentine's Day gifts yet? Do you shop for Valentine's Day? I don't. <laughs> How are you going to put us on blast like that? I, you know, I come at you with the hard question. I know, right off the bat, I'm thinking it's going to be something theological. Did you get I have bad childhood memories about Valentine's Day. Was that a good experience for you all in elementary school? I mean, we got candy, but that was that was it. You know, I remember shoe boxes. Yeah. Did you not get Valentine's when you were little? There was like there was like a couple of years where everybody got Valentine's, but me. <laughs> Way to go, Karen! Way to bring that up. I know. So she didn't, she didn't forewarn me that that question was coming. So I'm a little sore about Valentine's. <laughs> We're going to spend the next uh, hour discussing that. It's another day that we've made about us. And uh, it's not really supposed to be about us anyway. <laughs> exactly. I can't believe, I mean, well, I was really shocked. I had no idea that Groundhog Day was actually like a church holiday. Um, I figured Valentine's Day was a church holiday that we've, again, commercialized. Um, but yeah, it's another another commercial industry or way to make money do you have any idea what do you think is the top selling um industry on valentine's day what probably hershey's or why don't, don't you think it'd be hershey's industry industry so not company but industry i'm gonna say greeting cards cards uh, the the, uh, the card industry you would think greeting card industry that doesn't look right no <laughs> Jewelry. Jewelry, interesting. 5.8 billion dollars. But that's because jewelry is expensive. So you don't have to sell as much to make as much, right? right. Um, flowers is second with or third with 2.3 billion. Clothing, which has like clothing, but I think it's the sexy kind of clothing, 2.9 billion and candy was 2.4. Okay. So, but jewelry, yeah. So go get some jewelry. <laughs> well, if, and if you're going to eat the chocolate, you know, do, do it. But I guess Valentine's Day would be the day to do it since Ash Wednesday will be here next right. Wednesday. For those people giving up chocolate, you might as well uh, indulge now before you, no, uh, you have go to on, abstain. Go on February 15th. It's all half off. Oh, that's true, too. Yep. Yep. Karen's your husband around? I wanted to hear if he's gotten his his uh, Valentine's card. <laughs> we, um, I think the kids said something last night that val about Valentine's Day, or we were talking about Valentine's Day, and he rolled his eyes and was like, "Oh no!" But we don't ever exchange. We don't ever exchange gifts or anything. You know, we do a card. Yeah, he's anti. A wave. What are you, Shane? We wave at each other. <laughs> How do you commemorate a saint who was beaten by clubs yeah, exactly. and beheaded? Yes, yes. Jewelry. Let's make it about us and uh, eat candy. That's how you do it. And he was a martyr, right? Valentine was a martyr. He lost, he literally lost his head. For Christ. Wow. Well, speaking of that, uh, sort of suffering, Suffering will lead us into our topic, which is again talking about your sermon from Sunday, which was um, aligning with our book study with apprenticeship mm -hmm. with Jesus. And you kind of touched on 
the not so glamorous side of apprenticing with Jesus and that we need to, um, you, you were calling it imitate in his cross. Yes. Which means we have to suffer. Yeah, that, that's a part of it. And we need to probably go into that, um, you know, because of the, the scope of time that I have on Sunday mornings, you can't break everything down and expound on everything and, 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 and explain. Um, but the whole concept of the book, which is really discipleship defined in the New Testament, is you're trying to share in the very life of Jesus, to love what he loved, to despise what he despised, to become like him in all things, which would therefore include his cross. And I remember reading uh, the work of a John Howard Yoder while I was in seminary. And John Howard Yoder was uh, one of the mentors of Stanley Harawas. I mentioned him many times on this program, Harawas, my Christian ethics professor. And I can remember reading in that book where Yoder says that really the only thing specific that we are commanded to imitate the Lord in is his very cross. So I was drawing on the work of Yoder. And if you really look at the, the New Testament, from the book of Acts to the letters of Paul, the imitation of Christ in his suffering, in his death, pervades it. You just, you just cannot escape it. And of course, Jesus said to his disciples, take up your cross and follow me. What does the cross really mean in the in the first century? Well, it was a horrible instrument of torture, just absolutely horrible, reserved for criminals. But in the context of the first century, it would have been reserved for anyone who would be considered a social deviant, a nonconformist. And so Jesus is actually calling us to engage in a lifestyle that from the perspective of the world would almost look, you have to really think about it, would almost look criminal in nature. It is so deviant from the norms of the world uh, that those who uh, engage in it, this form of life, could find themselves on a cross. And it's unavoidable, which is a far cry from what we've talked about before. Kevin, maybe you can talk about this, this kind of therapeutic gospel, the gospel of therapy, of self-help, self-regard. Jesus doesn't say any of that. He says, deny yourself. And so if you're going to deny yourself, inevitably, there's going to be some form of suffering. But we probably should get into a little bit more of that because I'm not saying like, hey, we should want to get diseases and viruses. It's, it's so much it's different from that. But I'll, I'll let Kevin maybe say a few words. No, I, I think you're right. Uh, I was remembering this book I read. Uh, by the way, was Yoder a Mennonite or a Quaker? I can't remember. He was a Mennonite. That's right. He was a Mennonite taught at uh, Notre Dame. Yeah. And so that's a very good expression of their faith, I think, is that suffering. Um, but I was thinking about this idea of the cross as torture. I mean, the, one of the books I've read recently said, compare it to, you know, we've, we've sanitized the cross. We put it on necklaces and flags and all these kinds of things. But really, we need to equate it with a guillotine or an electric chair. Would we walk mm -hmm. around wearing this kind of sentimentalized version of a, a, a guillotine? Really, it was reserved, like Shane said, for the worst of criminals. And it was a political death. It wasn't a religious death. And I think, and it was, you know, we always see these pictures of Calvary up on this tall hill. And, but in most cases, the, the crucifixions happened at eye level. So you had to walk past and see on the way into town or way out of town. That's where they did it to remind who was in charge. It was the Roman government. 
Right. And, and of course, that's why, as we've said before, the Christianity is political in nature. It's not political overtly, like we want to take over the, the houses of Congress, but it does have something to say in the public square. And, you know, the early church was perceived to be a threat to the Roman Empire. It was outlawed. It was illegal, which is why I mentioned Agnes uh, in my sermon, one of the early martyrs of the church, who was a child and very much, but uh, she refused to recant her faith during a time when Christianity was considered to be illegal. I thought your point in your sermon was interesting when you were saying um, that God, he, when I got found in my notes, that he permits the suffering, but I know we've had conversations where God doesn't will right. people with cancer and he doesn't will people with hardships and devastations, but he allows it to happen. And allows it for a greater good uh, that we can't see from, from this side. Um, and of course, I'm drawing right there on the scholastics, uh, particularly Thomas Aquinas, that uh, God only wills the good, as you just said, but he does permit suffering and evil for a greater good that may be obscured to us in the moment. Just like you don't know how the book is going to end. In the, in the middle of the book, you're like, what is, what is this going to look like? And of course, you realize that there's a plot involved and that all the things that happen earlier in the book do have some form of intelligibility. But, but think about what Jesus said in one of his parables, the parable of the sower in particular, when he talks about the different types of soil on which the seed of the word falls. And one of the soils, he says, I, I think it's the shallow, rocky soil that these are the people who hear the word of God. Everything is going well for the time. They enjoy it. But then come the periods of persecution and suffering and they flee. They can't go through the process of formation through the hardships and difficulties of life. That speaks to us today. Uh, many of the great mystics say that uh, so many people could have become these great and wonderful holy people in, in the church, but they did not want to take up a cross. They wanted to stay in the place of prosperity and not go through the period of hardship and difficulty. And it's always in our hardships and difficulty where we build our virtue. It's always in the face of resistance where we become stronger. And if we don't resist these periods and then understand that God is permitting all things to happen to us, good or bad, for our own sanctification, then it becomes more endurable uh, over, the, over the long time. We don't have to enjoy it. We're not meant to enjoy the, the difficulties, but it's all meant to shape us. Well, and I think I've heard a long time ago, somebody say that this line isn't in the Bible, but everybody uses it. If it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. Oh, that's not anywhere in the Bible. <laughs> but there's some truth to it. You can say there's some, there's some truth to it, but let me just say this now that I'm thinking about it. When Jesus says, take up your cross, this is a voluntary form of suffering. He's talking about you can choose to, to go through this or not. So I don't think you can necessarily apply it to uh, a cancer that comes to you. You didn't choose that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, someone who, who says something harsh to you. I mean, there, there are some forms of suffering in life that are involuntary. Jesus is speaking about the very manner of life that if you embody it and imitate it, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. It's just by, by its very nature of love. We're, again, we're trying to learn uh, love as, as Christ loves, 
That's self-denial. That's a selfless form of love. We're caught up in ourselves. It's hard to get out of ourselves. But, but let me say this. When you go through in periods of involuntary suffering, there are examples of a legion of mystics who will still appropriate that involuntary suffering to the cross. And they will say, my Lord suffered. I'm suffering now. And I'm going to also associate my suffering with my Lord's suffering on the cross. And, and therefore I can endure a little bit better. And then that can shape you as well. I just want to tell the uh, listeners too, is uh, every Sunday morning, there's a, a broadcast called On Being on our is it P, P, NPR. And anyway, Parker Palmer was on just this past Sunday. Uh, and he was talking a little bit about this, Shane. And, and just to remind, I think you said this already, but he, he talked about the difference between uh, just not taking up crosses that you don't need to take up. There are some, there are some crosses that he said in my growing up, we just, everything was your cross, your cross, your cross. That was your cross to bear. It's your cross to bear. And he said, there's some things that we don't need to bear. Uh, but he was talking about it mostly from the context of depression and anxiety and mental health that, you know, don't feel like you have to suffer, you know, alone in that and not seek help. So I just want to put that out there to anybody who's listening and, and feels like, well, if they're having some struggles with that to really do seek out help. You're muted, Shane. But the, but the struggles they're going through, they can't associate that and meditate on both sufferings of the Lord in the midst of their own uh, dilemma right now. And how can we learn to suffer patiently? Because suffering in this life is inevitable. I mean, it doesn't, what believer or unbeliever, but what we have as Christians is a model of suffering. Our Lord suffered. Um, he was on the cross. And think, you know, especially during the season of Lent, which is coming up, uh, make it a spiritual practice to think about our Lord on his cross and how much he suffered for us. And um, will allow me to bear my own sufferings with, with a greater level of patience. Yeah, I've been thinking about Lent and like, I, I really do. I want to give up something that's going to be really, really hard. So I'm still, still thinking I have some ideas and some options, but you know, the more you preach about this and the more you, you've been talking about it the last couple of weeks that, uh, yeah, we, I definitely need to um, up my game and get my, you know, really find something that's going to be, that I'm going to feel the sacrifice. Yeah, you got to feel it. And, and, I, and I said that on Sunday, didn't I, that... <laughs> Love is always proved by sacrifice in this life. And I think I used the example of uh, the soldier. You know, the, there's someone who says, I love my country, who's a civilian. But then you got the person who says, I'm willing to die for it. You see the difference? Yeah. One is far deep, uh, on a far deeper level of love. It's, it's a more perfect form of love in this life. And that is why we want to get to the place where we, we want to love the cross. We're we willing to give everything for Christ. That's a more perfect uh, form of love for Christ, which goes back to Catherine of Siena, one of the great doctors of the church, you know, the mercenary form of love of Jesus, which is I love Jesus for the benefits for myself versus a more perfect love of Jesus, which is I love Christ for his sake, regardless of what happens to me. Wow. That's where we need to go. But we can only be purified. Love can only be purified in the refining crucible of suffering that's unavoidable. You know, find me a husband uh, and a wife who have been through some stuff together. And you will show me a, a couple, a, a marriage 
that has a far deeper level of love than a couple that is very much, you know, on the superficial scale of things, nothing bad has ever happened. The, the couple that has been through some stuff, their love has been refined um, and it's more perfect to that, uh, to that degree. Kevin, anything else to add on that topic? No, I mean, I think God redeems the suffering too. I mean, it, there can be, you look at the, what we're talking about, the crucifixion, God redeemed all that suffering for a greater good. So, I, you know, I think that's to get caught up only in the suffering as the, the end goal, but to God redeeming that is really important too, to think about that. Yeah, I think suffering, what suffering teaches us is that, um, and what God uses the suffering in our life to, or how he uses it to refine us is that our life is not about us. It's not about me. I really have no control. You know, when things happen to you, you realize, well, I, I am not in control of my life the way I would like to. And it can teach you a form of humility and it will make you lean on the Lord more. It's always during the times of, uh, of, of darkness depression sometimes where we will lean on the Lord even more and God shows up in ways during those periods of time that we don't necessarily see um, during periods of prosperity uh, and and that's why we should not be afraid of it we shouldn't seek it I said that on Sunday none of us should ever will our own suffering but we should be willing to say Lord I want to be perfected in my love for you I am willing whatever you need to do to purify me and refine me I'll do that. Like if you can imagine gold before it's put into the refining fire, it hates it. I don't want to go through this, but then it becomes pure through it. We just have to be willing to say, Lord, whatever you need to do to me to make me perfect in, in love for you, I, I consent to that. So that means it's got to be voluntary. We're talking about the voluntary forms of, uh, of hardship and difficulty. Which makes it even harder because who really wants to like seek out suffering? Well, yeah. And of course, this is not a popular message to preach. You couldn't put that on like a, you know, your, your marquee in the church. Come this Sunday, we're going to talk about suffering, but it's everywhere. I mean, the disciples in the book of Acts, they counted it all joy that they were able to suffer for his name. Paul in Colossians chapter one talks about our sufferings are actually filling up the sufferings of Christ. I mean, think about that. I think it's Chapter 1, verse 24, it's one of the most profound, mysterious verses in the scripture that my suffering is now participating in filling up the sufferings of Christ in his body. It is simply a part of the Christian life expressed faithfully. Um, so switching topics, we have a question from a confirmand from um, confirmation that's happening. And the question this week is, if God created us perfectly, why is there sin? Mm. Kevin, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I I'm gonna let Shane jump in here in a second, but I think to remember while we're created in the image of God, we're still flawed. Um, and so, you know, one of the ways I can kind of think about that is, when you've had little kids, no one teaches a kid how to lie. They just already know. When you ask your two-year-old who drew on the wall, no one taught them to say, well, what's true is I did, but I'm going to lie and say no. So I think, you know, we're, I don't know if I, we were born in original sin. So we're, mm -hmm. we're those creatures in the, in the, we're fish in the toxic water. We can't avoid it. Yeah. Shane. 
Uh, yeah, I always think of original sin as uh, self-love. We're, we're all born in a condition where we're bent in on ourselves. Like we just want our lives to be about us. And um, and I don't think the I don't think God could create a situation giving us freedom where sin could not be a possibility. And by sin, I mean no. I want to do my own thing uh, instead of freely yield myself to God. So. Um, we are not born perfect now. Our first parents disfigured the image of God within us. Um, the scholastics use the analogy of the head and the body. Adam is our head, and we're born in the body of Adam, so to speak. And if you've got an impairment in your head, uh, head it can actually affect all the members of the body. And so we're all affected by Adam, the head. Uh, and that's why by grace, we're incorporated into a new body, the body of Christ. And in this body, the head uh, transmits his own life and health to the rest of the members so we can get out of this self-loving nature of ours. But the reason sin exists is because we're free. We're free. And sin, let's think about this. I had a conversation with someone just about it. We think that, well, you know, sometimes we just choose the evil instead of what God wants. We never choose the evil. It is impossible for us to choose evil. We can't. We can only choose our good according to our own terms. Uh, I hate to use a graphic analogy, but even Hitler, when he exterminated the Jews, he was choosing what he thought was his own good, which is power. Um, that's what I want, and this is how I'm going to go about it. So all sin is basically me choosing the good on my own terms instead of choosing it according to my ultimate good, which is union with God. That's the difference. Uh, so every time we sin, we're basically saying, I think I know what God wants, but I want what I want. <laughs> and I'm going to do it on my own terms. And we end up loving a created good money, pleasure, riches, honor, whatever I want, more than the ultimate good, which is God. That's what a sin is, ultimately. Does that make sense? Yep. So we confuse our kids when we say, yeah, we choose evil, and then we can choose good. We always choose good. It just depends on are we choosing the good with our ultimate end in mind, or are we choosing the good for what we want for ourselves? What is the, the line from Paul? I choose the things I ought not to do. Yes. Yeah, he's right. describing, uh, that's in Romans chapter 7, he's describing the human condition, the good right. that I want to do. Ah, don't do it. But then the, what I don't want to do, ah, that's what I do. Uh, <laughs> and we all have that dilemma at times. You know? We wake up, we make these resolutions. I'm going to spend the en entire day doing X, and then 15 minutes later, that ah, doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. And we say that in worship, don't we, in the prayer of confession? Yes, of uh, uh, the good that we have done and the good we have left undone. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, well, so we're always in that, uh, we're always in that dilemma. Hmm. Every day is a struggle. Yeah, and, and of course, and sacrifice. And why we can only grow in virtue with temptation. I mean, if there were no such thing as temptation, we could not become stronger in virtue. If I were not tempting you to eat this candy, eat it all you could actually not develop uh, a virtue of temperance, which is, no, I'm going to limit myself. 
So yeah, all this stuff, this is how it all works together. <laughs> well, good. Um, I don't have, I do have one announcement is um, missional impact days are going on right now. Um, normally it's for a kind of like a week or a two week period. Um, I think with COVID and everything, it's been extended for the whole month of February. You can go to the website on the missional impact page and you can see all of our different opportunities. I think there's eight community partners that we're working with during this month that need help in all different areas, whether it's volunteering to deliver food or tutor or pack bags, or they, some people need supplies. So there's a little bit of everything depending on your comfort level of volunteering. Um, so that is going on now. We wanna get the word out to um, help some of our community partners um, through our missional impact days. Um, anybody Ash Wednesday, have? Ash hmm? Wednesday. Oh yes, you wanna talk about next Wednesday? What we yeah, have? Ash Wednesday, the, the, the official day of the season of land. It ought to re recall everybody our conversation um, about Advent, remember? Uh, Lent is to Easter what Advent is to Christmas. That's why we will not be singing uh, on, on Ash Wednesday, Christ the Lord is risen today. We've got uh, a period that we've got a season to go through. I am really encouraging everybody in the church to do something difficult this Lent. Make a sacrifice uh, that you can feel um, because when you do that, that is a real offering to the Lord. You know, because I'm, I'm, I'm going to give up this created good, whatever it is, and it's a good. I'm going to give that up so I can attach myself to you, Lord, the ultimate uncreated good. Um, and, I, and, and make that a, a sacrifice and offering. And I'm also saying make it consistent. Do it throughout the season. Do something that you can do consistently um, throughout the entire season. And when Easter comes and you're really doing it, it will absolutely be a day and season of great celebration. Sure. And I want to add to that. Don't try to do that thing where you take Sundays off because it's a little Easter. That came out when people would go to church every day that, and they would give you a break on Sundays because it, and that's true. Easter. I mean, Sundays are Easter's little Easter's, but I think now we use it like a cheat day on a diet, you know, that's. Oh, yes. Yeah. And of course, uh, just to remind everybody, there are going to be two options for the uh, for the ashes. There will be uh, between 12 and 130 on the church campus under uh, the portico. Uh, we will be uh, imposing ashes there and everybody will get uh, more than likely a copy of Psalm 51. Um, you should go home and, and read over that. And I'm also thinking about incorporating John Wesley's self-examination questions. Mm -hmm so that we can examine our own conscience. You should always do that. You should examine yourselves and, and, and let the Lord's Spirit search your heart. Where am I misaligned with the will of God? And how can I realign myself? And then you realign yourself through a self-examination. So we'll do that. And then uh, in the evening at seven o'clock in the sanctuary, there'll be an Ash Wednesday service proper. Um, but uh, I encourage people to, to uh, avail themselves of one of those two options. Something yes. really exciting on the music side is that the, the youth always lead that service. And that was the last thing they did last year. And uh, so they haven't been in in-person worship as required, you know. So um, we're excited. They're excited to come back and do that. Yeah, it's hard to believe. And just think about what uh, what we've experienced over the last year. And here we are. We're still, we're, we're still here. So God has been faithful and God will be faithful. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to just point out, so the, the imposition of ashes at, at 12 to 1.30, that's a drive-through. 
-hmm. and you do not need to register ahead for that. And you don't no. need to get out no. of your car. That's right. Yeah, we, you won't even get out of your car. Uh, we're going to try to impose the ashes in a way that is it's experimental. We're going to find out if this is going to work. Um, but at the evening service, um, it'll also be contactless imposition, but that'll be your normal, more of a normal service. And then you can watch it online if you can't make it uh, into the church. But let's let's have a holy Lent. I, I mean, I, I'm really excited for um for the possibilities of having a truly holy Lent. Your last one with us too, which is yeah. Sad. Well, did we joke about that last week. We're giving up the senior pastor for Lent. You know, yeah. anyway. somebody somebody emailed us and said, you know, Shane's talking about giving up. I already have. I'm losing Shane for Lent. Yeah, yeah. But I'll be joining everybody in in the in the Lenten disciplines and. Um, and of course, everybody should know I'm, I'm still technically the senior pastor through the end of June. So it's it's not like I'm disappearing off the face of the map. You might, you might actually see me on the campus um, from from time to time. But uh, let's 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 really dig in and, and let's draw ourselves closer to Christ. And through our sacrifices, what are we doing? We are configuring ourselves more and more closely to the cross and the Lord on the cross. That's what we should want to do. Great. Well, as always, highlight of my week talking with you guys. Um, and we'll be back next week with episode number 37. Have a great day.